Blog Talk Radio. My name is Corinne, and I'm hosting a call for tonight, and I am with the Real Girlfriends Across America, and we're a company that has a foundation and a mission to build lifelong friendships with women across the globe, and we'll be bringing you hot new topics each and every night, and we're always looking for new hot topics. Please follow us on Facebook at Real Girlfriends Across America, and visit our website at realgirlfriends.org. Now, tonight, I have on the call with me, Kat. Um, I have Kay and I have Tawanda, and I also have a host of my other girlfriends. And tonight we're going to discuss what does mental health awareness mean to you. Um, so I'm going to start off the call um, with posing a question out to, um, and actually I'm going to pose up to Tawanda first. Um, so the question that I have for you is what does mental health awareness mean to you? From you, good afternoon. Hopefully all is well And thank you for Asking me that question Mental health awareness to me actually means a lot Because not only is this Mental health awareness month um, It is a topic that Is very important and very near and dear To my heart so the awareness Simply means to Understand what mental health actually is To know that we use this month To celebrate it and also To enhance our awareness or bring it to our level of consciousness to keep it in our mind because we do deal with people that suffer with mental health issues, mental illness, emotional, and so many other things. And I know there's so many different medications, there's different treatments and different ways to be able to get support. So this is just another month to bring it to our attention and focus more on ways we can help reduce it and find cures for certain things and so on and so forth. Okay. And thank you for that response because I, I believe that as well because, like you stated, it is um, May and the focus of May is health awareness, uh, mental health awareness. Um, so that is something that does affect um, millions of people throughout the nation and some of it is spoken about, some of it is not. Um, and the intention of May is to help break the stigma of mental illness and to encourage people to get the help that they need. There are nearly 450 million people worldwide living with a mental illness and two-thirds never seek treatment. Mental Health Awareness Month is a reminder that you are not alone. One in five people experience some sort of mental illness at least once in their lifetime. Particularly now amid the coronavirus pandemic, Outcome Health is committed to supporting patients dealing with stress and anxiety. Um, and then everyone faces challenges that can affect their mental health, and there is nothing wrong with seeking help and to manage that. Um, so we just want our listeners to know that as well. 
And um, okay, I'm, it looks like I'm trying to get some of our listeners on, and I'm just having a little bit of a technical difficulty. So if you're trying to get on the line, just bear with us. And um, Kay, if you're available to speak, are you um, able to let us know what mental health awareness means to you? Hi. Um, yes. So mental health, mental health awareness is really just bringing awareness to um, mental health issues and the fact that you know, in a lot of communities, there's a stigma around um, experiencing um, mental health uh, um, difficulties or diagnoses. And, and so we want to, like, allow people to uh, get the information that they need about mental health and uh, develop an awareness towards um, getting the care and psychotherapy or going that would help them with their issues and, like, erasing the stigmas around um, those kinds of services. And have you ran across somebody that you felt needed the help but didn't know how to come across the services? No, 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 no. Hello, Ken. Okay. Um, how about you, Tawanda? Mute. I'm sorry, Steve. I was just texting um Nicole and Amanda that actually joined the call as well. I'm sorry. What was the last question? Okay. Um, and I'm sorry. You said that we have two new callers on the line. Yeah, Nicole and Amanda. And and Amanda Nicole works in mental health. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, both of you, for joining as well. And now, what was the question um, you yeah, I'll, I'll let you answer it. So have you ever been in a situation where you had a friend um, who was maybe seeking the help, but by verbally stating that they were in, like, maybe in trouble and needed the assistance, but just didn't know where to go to to seek the proper mental health resources? You know what? I have had so many people, unfortunately, that um, I've dealt with in my lifetime because I've actually worked in the industry for over 10 years. However, once again, you always remind me of something that's near and dear to my heart. Um, oh, gosh, um, probably in 2004, 2005, when I was actually working for um, a disability special needs facility, there was a guy by the name of Jonathan. He was actually an HR person. And John and, and the company I worked for actually ran in two different counties. So he worked in the other county, but he would come over to the county I worked in like once a, once a week for training. And we became really good friends, even though he was an HR person. He had just got his master's degree, and he was just really a good guy. He had gotten married like a year or so before, and him and his wife had one child together, and she had two before they got married. But he was, you know, doing pretty good. And something started happening, and he started going through depression. And I'm a person that I pay a lot of attention. I don't just have friends, and they talk me to death, and I don't really, like, listen. I truly do listen, and I, I see how you are, you know, because sometimes people ask you how they're, how you're doing, and they don't really even wait for you to even respond. Like, uh, But anyway, he was going through something, and he started coming over to the place I work almost every day because he was doing a training, and he would come by my office, and – um. And honestly, 
it really became a burden to me. It became a burden because now this is like every day for almost two weeks, he was talking about the wife and she wasn't cleaning and she didn't work. And basically he thought that he was going to have this great life. And now he's just really upset and bills are getting behind. And he was really depressing just going through something. And I felt his pain. But one thing about dealing with someone that has depression, you can't just encourage them and think they're just going to shake out of it. It has to go through its process. And I knew that, but at the same time I'm at work and he's wanting to sit in my office for two hours and talk about this. And the other thing about depression, people don't realize is sometimes that depression or that spirit of depression can jump on to you. So it was it really bothered me that he was really going through this. So it was three of us in this particular office. And when one of us wasn't in, he would go to the other person. So me and my coworker and the secretary, and I know this is kind of long, but I promise you I'm about to end it. Um, me and my coworker and – Okay, and the secretary, we kind of started, like, hiding from him because – this is Cat Dolly Man now – because he, you know, he was moping about this problem, and, you know, we were trying to think, okay, you, you should solve it already. But there was this one particular day that we saw that he pulled up to where our, our, our office building was, and we were all at this time like, okay, we can't deal with Jonathan today. We got work to do. We got a deadline. We haven't done anything all week. So he came to the building, and he knocked on the door. Because remember, he worked in a different city, so he didn't have keys to this building. And we didn't. We all hid and didn't answer the door and blah, blah, blah. And um, and then he ended up doing what he had to do, and then he left. And I'll never forget that evening around 7 o'clock, my boss had called me, and she said, I'm calling everybody. I got some very bad news. And it was August 31st. It was either 2005 2006. And that was my sister's birthday, and that's why I remember. And she said that he had committed suicide. And my heart dropped, and I felt responsible for years, a little bit, just because sometimes people just need a friend. And she said that he left work. He packed up all of his stuff, and he basically had everything in a box. He left work that day, got in his truck, went out into the middle of nowhere, and took a double bear shotgun and blew himself, blew his brains out. And he left three letters, the letter to his daughter that was like one year old and the letter to his two stepdaughters. And I have no idea what those letters said, but, um, and let me tell you something. I knew he was depressed. I knew it. But did I know that he was suicidal? No, I don't even know what almost suicidal even looks like, but I will never forget him. And the last thing I want to say is this. He was really a great person, and I believe that the only thing he really needed was somebody to listen. Whether he went to counseling or EAP, which is employee assistance, I don't know. But I, but that's a person that's gone that was gone before his time, and I really believe that something could have saved him, but nobody listened. Yeah, um, it does have you wondering, like, if there was, like, a warning signs or anything that you could have picked on. When that does happen, well, I apologize that you even had to go through that right now to the family as well. And me too. That's real. That's why I don't play. I, I don't take mental health for granted. I don't take mental illness for granted. I don't take depression for granted. People go through stuff. I always try to be sensitive and understanding because we never know what a person is going through in life. Thank you, Steve. Back to you. Yeah, oh, exactly. And thank you for sharing that with us as well. Um, Amanda, um, let me ask you, what does mental health awareness mean to you? 
Oh, man. Um, so I live and breathe mental health stuff. Um, as Tawanda said, I work in the mental health field. Um, I also have mental health issues myself. And also, I'm married to somebody that struggles with mental health issues. So, like, literally when I say that I'm surrounded by mental illness, like, I'm not joking. Like, everything, I have, like, every hat you could possibly wear in the realm of mental health. But I think, like, mental health awareness is, like, I think that it's, like, being aware of, like, not only, like, what you're going through and, like, adapting to what, um, your limitations in your life is like, but also being aware of like other people struggling around you. Um, I've also been left behind um, after people's suicide, so I also have that experience as well. Okay, and I'm sorry that you had to also go through that as well. Um, is that something that you're still dealing with? Um, so, oh, that's kind of a loaded question. So I, um, have a lot of guilt around my best friend's suicide. Um, and most of the time I just bury the guilt and I bury a lot of the sorrow because I talk to her more than I talk to anybody else. Um, but I called 911 too late, so I still deal with a lot of guilt, but I bury it most of the time. Okay, and again, I'm I'm sorry about that. Um, have you figured out a way to, to have you decided or um, thought about maybe seeking out help with whatever it is that you're filming regarding those change of events? Um, I think it just, like, gives me motivation to keep going and keep, like, working in the mental health field and working through mental health advocacy and stuff like that. Okay, and I'm sure that many people appreciate everything that you do, and thank you for everything that you do for other people as well as sharing your story tonight. Thank you. You're welcome. And, Kat, I want to ask you, what does mental health awareness mean to you? So there? Okay. And maybe we lost Kat, but I'm going to move on. I know we have another caller on the line. Is there anyone that I haven't spoken to that wanted to um, join in? Nicole, did you want to join in? And maybe we lost Nicole. Or are you there? Um. Um. See, I, I have no idea what Kat and Nicole is, but I wanted to say one more thing, please. This is Tawanda. Um, okay. What with the guy Johnson, I was just telling you about what what we had found out was about one month before he had killed himself, he had updated his insurance policy at work, and you know, and he again he was HR, so he sent everything in to update. I don't know if he tried to double it, triple it, or whatever, but and they were excuse me, they were very surprised that he didn't know this when he did all that. He sent it in he sent it in in time and everything. But the insurance does not pay out for suicides. So they got nothing. Right. And that's the and thing that's people don't realize about suicides. Yeah. I'm sorry, you said what? 
No, no, I was going to agree. Like, I've heard that when it comes to suicide, unfortunately, um, a lot of insurances, if any, doesn't cover suicide. Exactly. That's why you've heard probably of people that when they want to end their life, they found different other ways to be able to do it because insurance doesn't pay out. But, um, yeah, but I don't know what happened to everybody else. But this, this subject is so, oh, man, it's definitely near and dear um, because a lot of people – do suffer with it. And I also wanted to ask you, in the beginning of your call, you were you gave some statistics. I want to see if you could share that again about, I think you said, I don't know if you said one in five people, but what were the statistics that you shared at the beginning of the call, please? Um, so that was one in five people um, experience some sort of mental illness at least once in their lifetime. Um, and there's also, okay. there's nearly 450 million people worldwide living with a mental illness and two-thirds never seek treatment. And, and let me ask you a question, and I know you're the one answering questions, but two-thirds never seek treatment? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And, and I have someone that's near and dear I think didn't, too. I'm sorry, you said what? No, not. That, and you can – actually, I, I want you to finish that sentence, but it kind of was going to segment me to my next question. But, yeah, go ahead with your, your um, thoughts. You know, I was just going to say, when you said two-thirds never get treatment, I have someone that's near and dear to me that all their life, I've always known they have some type of mental illness. And I have tried several times over the last 20 years to help them, like, go to get help. I've actually went to two sessions with them because it's somebody that's really dear to me. And because I pushed them and I went with them, they went. I sat out, like, in the waiting area or whatever. And then one day I couldn't leave a meeting in time. And I called that person and said, listen, I'm so sorry. I know you got your – because after four meetings, the, um, the, the psychiatrist is going to make a recommendation for medication and kind of get them into like a regimen, right? And on the third meeting, I couldn't leave a meeting or something like that, and I couldn't go with them, and they didn't go. And then I could not get them to go back. And they have such a hard time with life. They can't keep a job. Like, so many things have happened. And I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a licensed therapist. But I know that this person has several different types of mental illnesses, and they struggle their whole life, and they just will not get treatment because people have a stigmatism that I don't want to take medication. And what they kept telling me is, Swan, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And I said, Look, I'm not saying you're crazy. I'm just saying you need some help to deal with difficult situations. And they oh. just – I just had to push them, but, but yeah, that, so it really bothers me because a lot of people that are, even I work with prisoners, a lot of people that's in prison are, are dealing with mental health. They've just never been properly diagnosed. And if people, I know people don't really want medication all the time, but sometimes medication is necessary. And I, I and I'm going to, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Um, can I <laughs> so say something really quickly before you move on? Yeah. And I'm sorry, who is um, the speaking? Amanda. Okay, Amanda. Um, so I'm very open on about my mental health issues, and I actually will have people that will, like, text me or private message me on social media and tell me that they're struggling, but then they're like, oh, gosh, please don't tell anybody. Like, it's like this, like, top secret information. And I've always found that very interesting. And why because do you people, think people are like that. People will say, like, I think that I'm struggling with depression, but you just can't tell anybody. 
And I guess I'm really interested. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Tawanda, you're about to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm glad that someone reaches out to her to say that. And the reason I think they probably don't want anyone to know is because just like there's bullies in the world, people are very cruel. People are very judgmental. People are very hurtful. And sometimes when you're down and when you're struggling, people step on you. So they probably trust you with that because they think you're a kind and compassionate person. But the world is not that compassionate all the time. So if I was struggling with depression, I wouldn't tell anybody either. I would tell someone that I felt was a trusted, compassionate person. No, so that's probably um, why. Let me first ask Amanda this, um, and then I'm going to over to you, Tawanda. Um, why yes, do you think that people have a negative outlook when speaking about or mean or meaning that they have a mental illness? Um, I think there, like Tawanda said, there's so much judgment and so much criticalness. Like, um, you know, a lot of like depression stuff you might look at somebody and say, oh, they're just being lazy. Or with anxiety, it's like, oh, you're just worrying a little bit and you're being overdramatic. So people, like, just kind of think that, you know, there's some sort of flaw in your personality, but that you're just, like, exaggerating it. And then another thought that I have is one of my cousins just had a hysterectomy and um, she had people sign up for the Miltrain. And I thought, huh, I think that it'd be really interesting to do a Miltrain, but do it for, like, depression. Like, hey, guys, I'm really depressed. Who wants to do a Miltrain? Because I'm guessing that nobody's going to probably sign up for the Miltrain. And I'm probably going to get a lot of advice, like, really dumb advice. Like, think more positive or whatever. Okay. And um, so why, I'm going to ask you the same question. Why do you think that people have a negative outlook when speaking about or admitting to having a mental illness? Everything that Amanda just said, I did all that. And I want to add that ignorance and lack of understanding. A lot of times when people don't really understand something, I remember one time, and I know I have a lot of stories, and it's because I've been living life and I do a lot of listening. I remember one time I was working at the same company I was just talking about, and we had a staff meeting. We would have staff meetings once a month, and there was this girl named Stacy. And, again, this has been over 10 years ago, and I have never forgotten it. We were around the, we were, I worked for disability and special needs for the state of South Carolina. So, we provided service to men and women that had development disabilities and some had mental illness. So a lot of our clients had all types of medication. And when we were at the meeting, we were talking about a client that had some kind of medication. I think I don't know if it was Adderall or what it was, but someone at the table made a joke of it. Like one of my coworkers made a joke about the medication. And the girl Stacy said, that's nothing funny. I take that medication. And then everybody got really quiet. And she said, exactly. And I've suffered with depression all my life. And she just went into her story, and she said, "Until she said, there's nothing to laugh about. And, and she said this, and I quote it. She said, until you've ever been through it, you have no idea what it's like. And I said to myself, wow, like, oh, my God. 
it pierced my heart to hear her say that. And at that time, I had never experienced depression that I knew about, but it resonated with me. And probably like two years later, when life was happening to me personally, and I couldn't get out of bed for three days, I'm like, oh, my God, I think I'm going through something. And then guess what I thought about? Guess what resonated in my mind? What that girl said. And she said, mm-hmm. like, you never will know it. You never understand until you experience it. And I, I know that I experienced it, and I felt it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful how we treat people. We have to be careful even when people don't say stuff. You just never know what somebody's going through. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, right? Um, I, I hope this is the last thing I'm going to say. I One time I was talking to um, I was talking to somebody, and she said, man, Tawanda, I'm going to tell you something. She said, do you know every time you call me and, like, you're excited, you're laughing, whatever, she said, I'm always going through something. Like She said, but when you call, like, you trick my mind, you get my mind off of it. And, you know, she was like, thank you. Like, for years you did that to me. And I was like, what? We we have no idea how we can impact somebody's life by being good, by being kind, by giving good vibes. And I, I make sure that I, I, I remember that. So I do my best to treat people how I want to be treated. I don't care how they treat me, but I'm going to treat you good because I don't know what you're going through. And that's important to me. Yes, yeah, that, that is very important, and that's how I try to live my life, treat people the way I want to be treated. Um, so I'm glad that you did mention that because you never know if you're treating someone um, mean or, or in a poor fashion if that's going to offset, and not justify anyone's um, behavior, of course, but, you know, that might trigger a negative reaction from them and, you know, trigger whatever they're, they're going through. Um and because, you, you know, you brought it up, I do want to say in the statistics, um, there are more than 200 classified forms of mental illness, um, some of the more common disorders or clinical depression, bipolar disorder, dementia, um, schizophrenia, and anxiety disorder. Symptoms may include changes in mood, personality, personal habits, and or social withdrawals. So there are so many different variations. There's more than we can even name within the next half an hour of the show that we have left. Um, but, yeah, so you never know if someone, like someone says, is dealing with something. It may be diagnosed. It may not be diagnosed. It may still um, haven't even know what they're going through because they haven't spoken to someone else. Like someone just spoke to someone and they were able to um, say some symptoms that they were going through, which resonated with her when she had it, um, was going through something similar later in line. So you just never know. So I'm going to ask someone um, else. Let me see. Amanda, are you still with us? I'm still here. Okay. Now, do you believe that you were ever diagnosed with a mental illness? Um, or I'm sorry. I know you said that you were, but um, when you were, before you were diagnosed with a mental illness, did you believe that you had one? Or did you just felt like something was off or um, so when I got my diagnosis, I, um, I felt very different from my friends. Like my, I was 16 and my friends are like, oh no, the SATs, oh no, this test, oh no, this boy, does he like me, blah, blah, blah. And all I could think about was suicide. And I was like, gosh, why am I so different from my friends? And I didn't even know mental illness existed at that point. 
So um, I was at my family doctor for who knows what, and I begged him to kick my mom out of the room because I didn't want my mom to blame herself. Um, And I just basically laid it all out and said, this is what I notice I'm experiencing. And that's when my, my doctor listened and gave me my first diagnosis. Okay. And was it um, easy for those around you to be supportive of you? Um, yes and no. So a lot of my family, instead of going the mental health route, they went the addictions route. So once I got a diagnosis, then it was like, okay, cool. Now what do we do? Um, and my mom will tell me things like, oh, if you just think more positive. And so sometimes they have like good intentions, but it's like, yeah, it's, if it was just a matter of thinking more positive all the time, like I wouldn't have spent literally thousands of dollars on my mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. So I am glad that you were able to um, get help and help and you're going with um, it and your way that you said, um, seen that it was best for you. Um, so I'm happy about that. And thank you again for sharing. Of course. And I want to um, shoot out a question. Is Kat still on the line or Kay? Yes, hello. Hey, Kay. Thank you for um, joining in the line. Hi. And I want to ask you, um, I, I don't believe you, yeah, I didn't ask you this question. Um, so I want to know from you, um, why do you think that um, mental health has a negative outlook when speaking about or admitting that you have a, a issue? Um, I think that mental health has a negative outlook because of the history behind it. Um, before before mental health and counseling and studies on, on, on different types of counseling theories became more mainstream, um, there was this sort of um, stigma against it because people thought that if you had a mental um, disorder or if you had depression or if you had anxiety, that you were crazy. And so they would often put people who were chronically depressed or chronically anxious, they would put them in these, um, in these locations that were not the nice, nicest places to be, and they would give them electroshock therapy, thinking that that would heal them. And so there came to be like this sort of fear that if you admitted oh, I suffer from depression, or oh, I'm, I have anxiety, that you would get stuck in a, a mental hospital and basically electrocuted. So I think that mm-hmm. that's why there's sort of this lasting stigma around it. Um, but the, the field of psychotherapy and counseling is very, very different today. Um, there's a lot more science that, um, scientific studies around it. There's a lot more, there are a lot more humanistic theories around it. And I think that people just don't have the education to know um, exactly what is involved um, in counseling and how to get their their mental uh, disorders addressed. Um, they don't know what to do if they don't have much education about around it or much information around it, other than what their family says or other than what their their friends or their society their community says. 
then, you know, they, they might not know, okay, is it okay for me to go talk to this person about what I'm feeling? They might feel like they have to hide it because the people who are closest to them might view them in a different way. And I think that that's why there's still this stigma around it. Now, do you believe that there are um, ways that they can deal with or people can deal with certain mental illnesses um, by a way that doesn't include medication? Um, I think that I think that it varies from person to person. I think that each person has to um, has to try and go to a therapist and a doctor and you know work with 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 the specialist to decide what is best for them because a lot of what happens some some of what happens emotionally can be changed by changing your environment, but then there are other emotional disorders that occur because of what happens to you um, neurologically. For example, bipolar disorder cannot be changed by just wishing it away. It has to be medically addressed, right? So you have Mm -hmm. to go to a specialist, you have to go to a doctor to find out exactly what type of disorder you have to see if it can be addressed with simple counseling or if it needs medical attention. Okay, and uh, yeah, I agree. It really does depend. Um, like I was saying before, there's more than 200 different um, forms of mental illness, so I'm sure everyone is not going to be obviously treated the same way. Um, so some may be able to find a non-medicated um, resolve, and others may really need whatever um, medication you know that is going to help them best for whatever disorder they have. And I'm, I know I have a new call on the line with area code 209. Um, are you able to speak, or do you want to speak about um, why you think um, neg- that um, mental illness has a negative outlook? Area code 209. They just hung up, okay. ma'am. Okay. So I'm going to um, ask you, Tawanda, um, do you believe that there are non-medication options to deal with mental illness? You said non-medication options? Yes. Absolutely. I think there definitely is non-medication options. I think sometimes, like I know a person one time that was really going through something and they got on medication to kind of regulate things. And once they were regulating and getting stabilized, then they were at ease because they didn't want to take medication at all. Then they kind of got to a point to where they were able to have, like, certain types of support systems in place and other things, sometimes exercise and meditation and so on and so forth. I'm not a person that believes that people just need to go run and take medication. It's just sometimes, depending on where you are in the crisis or the situation, sometimes medication helps take the immediate edge off. But as we can sometimes level things back out, then you can kind of get reduce the doses of medication and then ease off. And a lot of times our circumstances and our situation and our environment, that can, you know, put a toll on. Like let's say, for example, if someone, if I'm in an unstable environment, there's chaos, I could already be on the edge. That can push you over the edge. And let's say you take that same person and put them in a totally different environment that's healthy and that's happy then that person will be different. I've known of people that I've known of people that deal with mental illness and they changed their total environment and they were a different person. And I'm like, wow. 
So people like the saying, somebody can drive you crazy. That's that's true. People can literally drive somebody else crazy. So yes, man, I do believe that there's other answers other than just medication. But it just kind of depends on the person, situation, circumstance, outcome, environment, and what we're able to put in place at the same time. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think that a lot of times, and depending, like you said, depending on their disorder, it could be based on their environment. Um, their environment can be what's causing them not to be happy and causing them a depression. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely um, could be a variation of things, but if anyone is listening and they're feeling like they're dealing with something, definitely seek help from a professional. Um, Amanda, I want to ask you if you're still on the line. Are we still, you still yeah, I'm still here. here with us? Okay, good. Um, so I just wanted to know um, if you had any options or any suggestions that were for a non-medication options to deal with a mental illness. Um, I believe there's a lot. I think, um, well, I look at, like, even your housing situation as, like, the foundation of your life. So if your housing is chaotic or horrible, I feel like that spills into your mental health aspect. Um, I think, like, there's so many, like, essential oils or supporters or even therapies. Um, I think that there's a lot, but I think it really depends on, like, where the person is at, how severe the mental health issues are, um, and then also, like, what their environment is and, you know, just stuff like that. But even if somebody does take medication, when I first started taking medication, I thought, oh, great, this is going to help my depression and I don't have to do any work other than swallow a pill. And I've learned throughout the years that, like, you have to have other things other than medication. Like, it definitely helps stabilize you. But, like, if I take my meds and just lay here in the fetal position for the rest of my life, like, I'm probably not going to be happy. I'm probably going to be super depressed. And so the medication doesn't mean anything. Okay. Um, Can I say something? Yes, of course. Hi. So I, I would like to just give just a tiny bit of background before I um, before I add something that I forgot to add. Um, so um, I have um, two masters: a master's in counseling and psychology, and a master's in forensic psychology. And I studied for a number of years in um, um, counseling theories, and I've also worked in in traineeships and in different counseling agencies. Um, I'm also uh, an intern right now on a psychotherapy hotline for uh, families uh, with children. And um, I just want to say really quickly that I forgot um, that it's really important that, yes, there are certain emotional disorders that can be addressed by changing your environment um, and can be addressed without the use of medication. However, there are some disorders that you have to take medication for specifically those of the, um, the schizophrenic type. So schizophrenia, um, paranoia, paranoid schizophrenia, um, there are just a couple of, uh, not a couple, but there are several disorders that require medication. Changing the environment will not change the outcome of these disorders. And I just want to make sure that that's put out there because if there are any callers with those disorders and they stop taking their medication, it can be very detrimental to them and also to 
people around them. So I, I just wanted to put that out there because I forgot to say that. So go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I'm glad you put that out there because certainly um, anyone that's dealing with whatever disorder that you're dealing with, um, don't stop doing whatever your doctor is recommending for you to do. Um, you know, it's, it's always up to you to get a first and, you know, second and third opinion, but yeah, definitely don't stop your medication, like Kay said. And thank you for um, putting it out there, Kay. Okay. And I'm going to move on. Is there anyone on the line that wanted to say anything that um, wasn't already um, put out there or any addressing any issues or questions that they had? Okay. And I'm going to address this to Amanda. Now, Amanda, is there anything now that you're doing to positively um, to positively impact your mental health? Like, do you do, like, any hobbies or playing sports or anything like that or do anything for your mental um, health? I do a lot of things. I make sure that I get a lot of, not a lot of sleep, not, like, 20 hours a day, but I make sure that I get enough sleep because um, feeling tired is, like, my number one trigger for my mental health issues. Um, also doing my job, like a lot of times, like my clients really motivate me to stay stable because I can't really help anybody else if I've gone off the deep end. Um, I also like have pen pals throughout the world. So writing helps me a lot. Um, I take medication, um, I have a balance of like my heavy stuff at work that I deal with. And then I have friends that I just have fun with and let my hair down. Um, And, yeah, I mean, I do a bunch of stuff every single day. Okay. And this this sounds like good hobbies um, to keep yourself um, busy and to, you know, do something that you enjoy to do. Now, Tawanda, is there anything that you do for to positively impact your mental health? You said what, uh, is there anything that you do, like a hobby or anything like that for your mental health? You know what? Kind, kind of, maybe not really so much a hobby, but probably more of a ritual. The very first thing is the positive associations. I cannot stress how important that is to keep people around me that are positive, that have good energy, and that are encouraging. Even if they're around me, they're not even talking. Just the good energy keeps my spirits up and going. I love music. I love water. A lot of times, like, because I do so many different things every day, and, of course, we all have so many different types of emotions, you know, I make sure that my life is balanced. I make sure that I'm doing things that I love, like, and I'm getting up, I'm relaxing, I'm listening to music, I'm taking some time to myself. Like, even if I work 12 or 13 hours a day, like, working and grinding, every couple of hours I'm going to stop for 30 minutes to an hour and do nothing, relax, do something to soothe me because sometimes people just can't take a break, can't catch a break. And when you have something always coming at you, coming at you, coming at you, it, it can drive you crazy. So you have to figure out how you can strategize and be strategic because that's really important, and we need to get ahead of it instead of being behind it. So, yes, there's a lot of different rituals and things that I do to keep me relaxed, and that keeps me going and flowing. And when life does happen, 
it, it, it helps me to shake it off and not fall and lose balance with everything else that's going on. And it's not easy all the time, but when we say two or three steps ahead, when things slow up, we're still ahead. And I like that suggestion and I like that word of advice as well. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And, Kay, um, what is your, um, what are some things that you do for your mental health? Um, for my mental health, I listen to, um, well, I pray a lot. I read scripture. Um, I listen to um, a lot of, I would say sort of self-help um, audio tapes that deal with mental health. I do a lot of self-reflection. I think that it's really important to take time each day to sort of assess yourself and see where you are mentally and emotionally and physically because um, if you don't take that time, stress could be building up, worries could be building up, and pretty soon you're sick and you don't know why when you could regulate your body and regulate your mental health and figure out ways to um, address those issues prior to you getting extremely ill because your mental health affects your physical health. You know, like Tawanda was saying, like emotionally, if you get depressed, you know, pretty soon you can't get out of bed. Physically, your body is worn out. Why? Because the emotions have overloaded your system to the point where you don't have the energy to get out of bed. So before that point, you want to be able to assess yourself on a daily basis to see, okay, where am I emotionally? Where am I psychologically? Is all of this on my plate stressing me out to the point where I'm overloaded and I feel helpless and I feel overwhelmed and I feel like my life is out of control? And if that is how you're feeling because of whatever is going on in your life, what is there a possibility that you could change something here or there so that you don't feel so overwhelmed, so that you can get some type of assistance? And if you can't do it by yourself, who can you go to to help you with it? Because nobody can survive this world by themselves. Like, we are not islands. We all have to, we are all connected with each other. So whether that means reaching out to a family member, whether that means reaching out to a friend, whether that means reaching out to a counselor or a therapist or a doctor, whatever it is, you need to reach out and get the help that you need before it's affecting you to the point where you can't function physically. So I feel like that's very important. Yeah, and I thank you for sharing that with the audience as well because I think that those things are important to consider as well to try to get help. Um, And I do have um, two numbers uh, for anyone that is seeking for help. Um, the first number that I have is from, uh, looks like it's just letters um, which stands for something. So it's S-A-M-H-S-A, Treatment Referral Hotline. And the number is to get general information on mental health and locate treatment services in your area. Um, and they have someone you can speak there um, live in person Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So that number is one eight seven 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 two six four seven two seven, and again that's treatment um, S A N H S A treatment referral hotline. And then the second number. Do you want me to? Um, is, do you want me to tell you what that stands for? I'm sorry. Do you want me to tell you what the acronym stands for? Oh yeah, if you can tell me what it stands for, that's fine. Um, substance abuse, oh crap, now I forgot, now that I put myself on the spot. Sub- 
substance abuse now. and mental illness on Americans' communities. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, substance abuse and mental illness on America's communities. And then the um and thank you. And then the other number I got was National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, and that number also has a helpline staff there prepared to answer questions on mental health issues. And they're open Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And their number is 800-950-6264. So that's 800-950-6564, and that's for the Natural Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, so does anyone want to share anything before we begin to close our um, show for tonight? Well, this is Tawanda. I just want to say thank you so much for doing a call like this, not just because it's Mental Health Month, but also because this is a very, very, very important topic. Um, And you really just had me just think about some things I hadn't thought about in a very, very long time. And I just want people in the world, I just hope and I just pray that we can become more compassionate, we can help others more we can pray more for others because we just never know where people are in life so um thank you so much C for just this topic and this information and then for just everybody else just sharing too and for those that may be on that that couldn't share um just continue to pray um and keep the faith Yes, and thank you for sharing. Thank you, everyone, for sharing. Um, Amanda, we appreciate your story as well, and thank you, Kay, for sharing as well. Okay, and um, in wrapping up the show, I just wanted to thank everyone that joined in the call with us tonight. Um, and tomorrow, don't forget to tune in with us. We'll be here at 930 again, and we'll be discussing will you go after what you want. Um, so don't All forget right. to tune tomorrow. <laughs> yes, so we can discuss that with Kay and um, make sure you do you tune in again tomorrow at nine thirty. So we appreciate you oh. tuning in and listening. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Good night. Good night. Everyone. Good night. Good night. Bye.